Thank you so much for joining Dental Marketing Theory, a podcast by Gary Bird. In today's special episode, Gary catches up with Amal Nirgakar and his daughter Avi to discuss their relief trip to Ukraine this summer and how they were able to make a positive impact on some of the communities in need. As always, please make sure to like, subscribe, share, and leave a comment, as all of those things really help to get the word out about dental marketing theory. Hope you enjoy today's show! All right, we are live for a special episode of Dental Marketing Theory. I'm, I'm actually really excited for this episode because I haven't got the full story on this yet from Amal and his daughter, Ovi. And they recently, you if you're in dental, you already know Amal, but this is his daughter. And they recently made a trip over to Ukraine. And when I first saw them post, I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, there's a war going on there, and they started to share some of the things that they were doing over there. And I said, I want to talk about this on air. I don't want to hear any more, and I just want to hear about it on on the show. But from what I can understand is you guys saw a need over there. There was people that uh, needed some things, and you guys decided to fly over there and provide that need and then also put on some entertainment for them and just try to lift the spirits of the people that were there, especially young people. And I kind of followed the whole thing on social media as well. You did a really good job of posting that. So why don't you guys, first of all, introduce you guys yourself and then tell us a little bit about what you're doing or what you did over there. Well, um, my name is Amol Nergutkar. I'm the CEO of uh, Patient Prism. I'm sure you guys have seen me um, uh, on LinkedIn and other social media outlets, um, we run an AI company that helps uh, dental practices acquire more patients by optimizing phone conversations uh, using AI. Uh, and, um, and and this is my daughter, Ovi. Um, the, the way it started out was um, there was a lot of, obviously, on the news, there were stories about attacks being, you know, uh, in Ukraine from Russia and, and schools being attacked and um, hospitals being attacked and a lot of civilian casualties over there. And so Ovi decided to um, say, okay, well, I need to help these guys somehow and put up a website together uh, to collect medical supplies for wounded soldiers and people who were wounded because they were, sh- there was a shortage of medical supplies. And uh, she got a website up and running and I, I, I put her website up on my social media channels and lo and behold, in a, in a few weeks, we had almost 200 pounds of medical supplies donated. Wow. 300 pounds. 300 pounds. I learned that recently. It was almost 300 pounds wow. worth, of, worth of supplies. Medical supplies, gauze and cotton balls and syringes and all sorts of things that we created just an Amazon type registry. And that resulted in... Um, one of my buddies, uh, Santosh, who it was uh, doing some volunteer work in Ukraine with the organization to help with the with the refugees that were non-military, or people who were affected and displaced by the war, um, and he was uh, working on the on the west side um, of Ukraine uh, because all of this they had migrated from the east where the war was happening, mm-hmm. and he saw the post and said, um, uh, "Would you guys like to come on over and help out with me?" And, and work with these refugees and everything else. And so I asked Ovi the question, would you like to go to Ukraine and, and do some work? And she said, I would love to. And that's how the trip started. Yeah. Got, got it. So what were you guys, was it scary? Um, you know, honestly, it wasn't scary 
when we got there, really, there was obviously some amount of uncertainty um, in terms of like, you know, like there's bomb shelters everywhere and there are bomb sirens going off um, every so, every so often. So like it was a little, we were a little uncertain about the environment, but it generally felt pretty, pretty safe. So not scary. And then then how, like most, most Americans, right. have never been in a war situation or even near it. We don't, we don't have countries near us at war. Like this side of the hemisphere is largely (laughs) protected from that. So what, what walk me through like emotionally what the people are going through there just because keep in mind we have no con i have no context um well i I would say that first of all the kind of hardships that they are enduring right now uh, and have been for the past few months um you know getting families being separated children losing their their fathers their brothers um it's things that happen very rarely here that we're, we, we don't even, we can't even fathom. But this is happening to, you know, almost every family in Ukraine. They're separated, they're losing family members. And um, there's just an amount of uncertainty uh, about their lives and their families' lives that they live with that we just, um, we just don't have here. Yeah. And then your dad shared a story with me about when you got to go into one of the orphanages with all, all the kids and how they were playing with their toys. And for a little bit, they were like normal kids. How, how, how did you, how, how does that process when you're walking through and you're trying to help these people, how, how did that go through your mind? And like, what was, how do you deal with something like that? Yeah. Well, I think for the younger children, one of like my approach was really that first and foremost, they are kids and they don't know me and um, their moms are here. So the first thing I wanted to do was be respectful of their space. Um, You know, not, not, you know, they were, um, they were, they were sleeping. Many of them were sleeping in, in uh, gyms that had like mattresses all over the floor. And so I did my best not to go in there um, or to, you know, stand at the door and say hello. And I took a few days to, kind of get them comfortable with me knowing that there's, there are a lot of, there's a lot of subconscious stress going on with some of these four five, six year old kids who can't yeah. actually put it into words. So it was really for me, even with the moms being really respectful uh, and keeping a distance because um, you know, they needed their, their personal space, regardless of what kind of a, you know, situation they were in. I mean, there was an overarching sadness um, amongst the crowd that was there, but but the kids are kids, right? They yeah. they get easily distracted. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You 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 get them to play, they start playing. You get them to do activities, they do activities, uh, and and thankfully they are of the mindset that they're they don't they're not brooding nonstop. The adults, it's yeah. harder for us, right? Because yeah. we're constantly thinking about the future and the past. Uh, the kids are totally living in the present. So, so, so it was just about my, it took us a few days for them to kind of feel that, man, these guys are here um, uh, to, you know, to do something with us. And, and it was, and it was that time when we realized that it's, you know, to provide these people just some sense of normalcy was important, whether it's just playground equipment that we ended up uh, purchasing, which was a slide and some swings some sand to play in, uh, some, you know, some simple things to play in the sand with. 
and that that really made them feel because you know a lot of these shelters um, were not meant to be shelters; they're schools yeah. um, that have been converted into shelters because they only have the space, right? They have the classrooms, yeah. they have the big gyms. Um, so, so they're not, they're not equipped to handle this kind of refugee situation, uh, where are they going to provide for them? Um, even food, they're not equipped to provide food. They have some cafeteria, but not for hundreds of people. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to think through like how I would, like if something like that happened here, what would I do? And in my brain, it's like, I would either flee, get out of there. Right. And then, or I'd fight. Or I'd want someone to come in and help. What? Where's their hope? Is it in leaving, or is it in fighting, or is there? Are they hoping someone comes in? Like where? Where's their hope coming from? You know, I think what really was really inspiring throughout our whole of the whole week that we spent there was the 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 ability of the Ukrainian people to fight for their country um, and to stay strong in their um, in their you know, in their love for their country. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that many of the the mothers with, with children, I'm sure that they, they know that their best option is probably to leave at some point. But what I, what I do know from what I, uh, you know, got through the translations through, you know, our translator told us was that most of these people want to return back to their normal lives. And right now they, um, I'm not sure that many of the people that we interacted with know much about how, let's say, America, Americans are coming in to help Ukraine Um, because they kind of live in a a bubble right now in these refugee camps. Yeah. Um, So they're not. A lot of them don't want to leave. I mean, we were at the border many times. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We were at the border many times and we saw border crossings from Ukrainians that are visit, returning back to Ukraine. And mm. I tried to ask as many people as I could, I'm like, what, what's going on here? Like, I don't want to live anywhere else. I want to go back to my home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's very, and despite all the, the impending uh, strikes and everything else, they just, they just want to be home. Yeah. That that's kind of an overarching theme. They just want to be home. And the ones that are displaced I mean, you can tell they want to go back home because this is uncomfortable. I mean, of course it is, but it's, it's just not, um, being crowded in a gym with, you know, 50 mattresses all over the floor, sharing space with people you've never, you don't even know. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you you can get used to it, but it's, it's never going to be comfortable. So. Yeah, well, and that also causes other problems, right? That creates more opportunities for crimes and more opportunities for people to take advantage of people and things like that. So that it's never a good situation, and it always just leads to more problems. Now, obviously, people people see like I all for me, I see stuff like this, and I'm like, it's so big. Like, how can I help? So I commend you for saying, "Well, I'm going to do something." And when you go there and you do something, how did that change your perspective? after you did something like you actually stepped out and, and took that step to go help. How, how did that kind of change your perspective from what you had before? Um, yeah. So I think when I, when I first started to build the website, uh, I did as much research as I could and I wanted to be as informed as possible in collecting supplies for, for people to send them over. Uh, and the reality when you go to, to Ukraine is you realize that, well, first of all, um, Sending supplies from America is too expensive and inefficient. That's one logistical thing I learned. 
Um, it's ex- it's just extremely impractical to send supplies from here. Um, it's better to actually just buy them there or in the neighboring countries. Um, but I think, you know, kind of an, an overarching thing that I realized was that um, being face-to-face with the people, with the children, with, you know, make, being able to make one or two or five kids happy for like a week with like a playset and some toys. Uh, that's like the, the little things that really make it so valuable to be there. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have uh, been able to go because there is nothing that can, you know, even match up to the, the, the face-to-face impact that you have on the people there. Yeah, and, and we said, right, I mean, we didn't really, we went with the open mind. That's what I was telling Ovi. Like, I don't know what's needed. We have no idea. And um, and the concert was supposed to be just to for entertainment because Ovi is a pianist, as you know. Yeah. And and then uh, like three days before the concert happens that we read in the Ukrainian newspaper that uh, Ovi is coming from America. She's raising money for the Ukrainian military through the concert. And we had no idea that this is happening. We were just doing the entertainment, right? Uh, so in, in two days, we literally created a, a, I couldn't even create a GoFundMe account because they, they, there's a waiting period for that. Um, so we did a PayPal, a PayPal campaign. Um, uh, a lot of folks, uh, uh, you know, we almost collected $22,000 in 48 hours. Uh, and because of the power of the, uh, the, the, the Ukrainian currency is so high, you could, you know, you can buy almost $130,000 worth of supplies. Mm-hmm. And, and we realized, what could we do? We asked them, we asked the people who were running the shelters, like what is in most need that will make the most impact? Sometimes it was um, just playground equipment because the kids were just sitting doing nothing uh, and, and yeah. they have nothing else. So, so that would, the whole summer right now, summer was off and there was no schools. So they could play and, and, and we bought a playground set and stuff. In some places, there were just benches for people to sit outside in open air. Um, and they just needed to sit outside because it was getting suffocating to sit inside a shelter all day long. Um, some places it was shampoo. Uh, there was no shampoo and, and no soap. Uh, there was a shortage of that because the, the shelter couldn't provide it. The government yeah. has reduced all spending because it's all going to military by course, 30, 40 yeah. percent. So uh, so we went in each place and asked them what would make a big impact right now um, that first and foremost provides dignity to people, uh, yes. at least basic human dignity. I'm like, yeah. you know, having a shower and having clean clothes to wear and having food that just it's basic. Right. And then let's worry about the big stuff later on of education and everything else. They need so many basic things. Um, and that's what we focused on. I mean, we, we didn't have a preconceived idea of what would happen as we went from shelter to shelter, uh, but we said, what would make a difference? Um, and we got some great ideas. I mean, you just have to hear, uh, what people want instead of us going with, oh, I think you need, uh, some outfit from Zara. You don't need yeah. an outfit from Zara. Uh, what you need is, uh, a way to, um, just take a shower. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about the concert. How, how did that go? And what was that like playing in front of, uh, in that kind of situation? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, first of all, to be able to play in the Trinipsi Philharmonic uh, Hall was really a 
really a huge privilege for me. Um, it was like in the center of the city and uh, seeing all the people who like, who I had interacted with in the past few days come to my concert and, you know, even the little kids who I was like, I know they're not going to be quiet. They were completely silent and they were listening. I was like, wow, <laughs> they loved it. And I think for me being, you know, being on stage has always been comfortable for me. Um, but this time it was like, um, I wanted to, prov- I, I, I wanted this to be like a gift for me, mm-hmm. from my heart, um, to them because there were very few people who I could speak to in English. Um, so there were very few people who I could really truly interact with, but music being kind of a universal, universal language, um, was so powerful for, it was so powerful. I, I believe as though I was able to say some of the things that I wanted to say to them, um, and give some of the love through my music that I couldn't do, do through words. So yeah, that was the biggest, yeah. that was the biggest thing I, I, I loved about the concert. And it, it's beautiful. I mean, Ukraine is, um, is, is, is a phenomenally culturally rich country. Yeah. Uh, the conservatory in Kiev uh, at the capital is, is top three conservatories in the world for piano and classical music. Uh, so, so these guys hadn't, had any kind of entertainment like that since the war started. Right? Mm. There's nothing going on, right? Yeah. Entertainment is the last on your mind. Uh, so, so it was beautiful. I mean, it, there, there's some amazing uh, classical musicians who have played in that theater. So it was just an yeah. honor to see her. How did you get the idea for a concert, right? Like, uh, did, was it, how did that come about? I mean, <laughs> I play the piano and Ukrainians, <laughs> Ukrainians appreciate uh, classical music. I mean, definitely a lot more than it's appreciated in America. So mm. we were like, you know what? Uh, why not? Because I don't yeah. think these people are, are, are listening to music right now. <laughs> and yeah. and, and yeah. we had, we had some Ukrainian friends, yeah. actually um, uh, one of the marketing directors at a DSO that we, is a client mm. of ours. She's Ukrainian. And uh, this, there was a dental connection here. And she said, Damol, what, what, what do you need help with? And I said, uh, would love to, or we would love to perform there. And so she called all the different uh, oh, wow. places. She did the contract. She did all this stuff. And um, she organized it all. And then just tell me, I'm going to sign this contract, get this done. And, and so there was a lot of help uh, that she provided um, to get it organized. Cause again, the language and then the script yeah. is different, right? So yep. it's not easy uh, to operate in the country where the language is different and you can't read anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big difference. Um, so when you got there, was there a lot of other people like you guys helping from different parts of the world or are they just kind of isolated there? Well, the group from uh, I think world consciousness Alliance or act global or whatever that group was, uh, there were a few people there. There was one lady from Canada. Um, there were there was one a Serbian guy who wasn't actually there, but he was part of the group. Um, but there weren't like an overwhelming number of people like us. It was uh, I think it was you, me, and Santos were the only ones from America. Yeah, yeah we, started, um, we were just three. There was not a lot. I mean, and but at the border though, at the border. Um, we had a lot of people, uh, a lot of non-governmental organization, NGOs uh, from all parts of the world. They had kind of staked. There was a big Jewish tent 
um, that all these folks coming from Israel, there was a like a Jewish kitchen right at the border, wow. and, and they were serving free food to anybody who was crossing the border. Um, so, so that was beautiful. Um, we got to spend some time right. There were tents right at the border of of these NGOs that either didn't want to go in, on the other side. Um, so, or, or there, or they were just the purpose was to serve at the border at the border yeah. crossing because the border crossing is something that, you know, I have never seen before in my life. Like, you know, like a, how many, like 20, 30 kilometers of trucks were lined up trying to get, you know, across crossing the border both ways. Mm. And it would take three or four days for these supplies to come into Ukraine. And so you waited, so you waited in line for three or four days. Is that right? Well, no, we didn't wait in the truck line. That was a supply truck line, but there were also, you know, buses of people, uh, like packed buses of people crossing the border back and forth. And so there was a, there was a huge, there were a lot of these uh, tents that were sort of there to help the border crossing run more smoothly. And because these people were coming kind of, kind of with nothing, yeah. um, either coming into Romania or going back to Ukraine. Yeah. I imagine that's a tough spot for the government to be in too. Cause there, there's not a lot of, they have to protect that, right? Like you just don't want free flow, everybody going in and out. Um, and how, like when you guys were where you had your concert and where you were going to the homes, where's the actual, how far away is the actual war where the armies are positioned? Was that a couple miles? Is it 10 miles? Like how far away was that? No, it's quite, quite a bit more than that. It's quite a bit more than that. I would say maybe, 40, 50 miles from okay. where, where there was active stuff going on. Yeah. Um, there was some military presence um, at the bridges and stuff. There was uh, in the downtown, there were some, those anti-tank things that, that, yeah. that yeah. you know, that, but, but nothing, nothing major. There were people with uh, machine guns and stuff uh, roaming around, but it was not a lot, right? Not a lot. I think they, the reason we went in that area was, it's increasingly becoming difficult for Russia to maintain a war in such yeah. a large country. Yeah. And we were on the other side of the other side of the country. And, 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 and so, so it was not, I mean, the military presence was there, but nothing. Yeah, But still that, 50 miles is not that, I mean, that's not that, that far. It's not like it's a crazy distance away. You, you can shoot a rocket 50 miles. So I don't want to well, downplay it. I mean, there were definitely, uh, I mean, the reality is that they have, Russia has long range missiles and all these different types of bombs and things like yep. that. And there's always a, always a threat of those things yep. coming away. Um, and, you know, Ukraine is the largest country in Europe and the war, uh, when we were there, the war had only extended halfway, uh, mm-hmm. like halfway, like West, so sort of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were sort of like down here, Got like it. Southwest. Yeah. Okay. That makes it's, sense it's for you, but yeah, Southwest. So, um, we were, I think we were in an area that was concentrated with displaced Ukrainians. So that's where maybe, everybody's kind of moving towards and, yeah, and, and right. okay, that, that makes total sense. And then right. I just saw recently, I don't know if you've been paying attention to it or not, but I saw recently that Russia defaulted on their, uh, some of their debt, which is actually a great thing if, for, for stopping this war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting how, uh, I mean, the economic sanctions, uh, ours, we don't know exactly. The problem is, yeah. it's just don't know yeah. um, what the real story is uh, in the media. Uh, but they did default, and, and we're, everybody's hoping that it it really does 
hurt the Russian economy in a way where the people of Russia revolt and saying that this is not something we want either. Mm-hmm. We want, yeah. we don't want this. This is one man's war. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind is of that, just like, is that was, how the Ukrainians feel about it? Do they feel like, Hey, the, are they, their wars are always different, right? Sometimes you're fighting another people and the two people groups hate each other. I don't think that's kind of, I don't get the feeling that that's how Ukraine and Russia feel about each other. Is What were your thoughts on that? Uh, well, you know, I don't know, just because I didn't really get to speak to people who's yeah. a language barrier, I, I don't really want to, you know, speak to what they think about Russians, about Russia, but I do believe that the war is between leaders. Yeah. You know, it's not, I don't, I don't get the sense that the Ukrainian people like hate the Russian people. I mean, many of them speak the same languages. Many of them have Russian family members. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, It's not that, it's not so much like people, you know, hating other people or a mm-hmm. country hating another country. It's a conflict that really, I think, is um, hurtful to people on both sides. And Russians, I mean, obviously Ukrainians are suffering casualties and being displaced and things like that. But Russian people are also not uh, getting accurate information. Um, mm-hmm. They don't know what their country even really stands for anymore yeah. because the media is not is not actually telling them what is happening in Ukraine. So it's so much like it's, it, it's not a civilian, it's not a civilian thing. And it's so unfortunate that civilians are getting impacted. And I think that was what really sparked, like for me, um, if it had been a war between like the Russian army and the Ukrainian army, it's like, well, okay, how much can you really do? But when, when people who are just trying to live their lives, who have absolutely nothing to do with this conflict are just dying. You know, kids, kids are getting shot. It was something I just could not under, understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on and talking through this. This is for me, I do dental marketing, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, I'm not an expert on geopolitics. I'm not an expert on Russian history, Ukraine, you know, geopolitics uh, or any of that kind of stuff. So it's even kind of a, intimidating for me to, to even talk about it because I don't know what I don't know. But I, I wanted to talk to you guys because you actually went there. And I appreciate what you guys are doing. And it's awesome that you're doing something. If people want to learn more about what you guys have done or want to try to help more, what, what would be your suggestion for them? Well, I think you can we're in the process of, of launching the, 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 the not-for-profit organization. It's going to be called Through Human Eyes. And, and Gary, once all the formalities, then we have, it's the, we have a website that's going to be on um, up and running with all the initiatives that we plan to do. But I'll certainly send it your way. It's uh, the, the logo and the stuff she's wearing that shirt. Yeah. It's called uh, right here. It's called uh, Through Human Eyes. It's the Re- Ukraine Refugee Relief Project. Awesome. Um, so we plan to do some more initiatives, and uh, as soon as we have that launched, uh, we'll certainly send it your way so that you can, you know, promote it within within your community. Yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll absolutely have a way for people to help. Um, you know, whether it's being part of our team or educating people as to how you can help from here or going there, whatever, whatever it is that people want to do. Um, there's, there's going to be something, there's going to be a project that, you know, you can, if you're passionate about it, there's absolutely going to be something you can do. So. 
Well, that's awesome. Well, I really, again, appreciate you guys coming on, taking the time today. And uh, th- I look forward to uh, looking at that website and connecting more with you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Gary.